Let's go geocaching. <laughs> this is it. It's time for the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast, where you can escape the muggles in your life for almost, but not quite, 30 minutes. This podcast is sponsored by the Four State Geocaching Society and was recorded at Digital Planet Studios near Joplin, Missouri. Now let's welcome our host, Where Is It Now? Well, good morning, everybody. It's that time again. It's time for the Where Is It Now? Geocaching podcast. This is episode number 120. And today we're going to talk about something that's, I think, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I set a goal every year to try to uh, rectify some of the problems we're going to discuss today. I've got a special guest. I've got GSM Times 2 that'll be joining us in just a second. Before And we're going to be talking about cash maintenance. Now, listen, if you heard that and you're thinking about changing the channel or, or listening to something else, just forget that. You stick around. It'll be as fun as any conversation we've ever had. It's going to be great. And it's always good to get GSM times two on the podcast. Uh, before I get him out here, I want to go over a couple of things. We're going to talk about maintenance, but I want to talk about something that happens kind of maybe before maintenance, or maybe this is, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But when we place a geocache, there's something to consider that I feel like we make a lot of mistakes with. And, and I'll get Scott's um, ideas on this too. I just want to talk for one second about cache sizes. Now, I've talked about this before on the podcast, and um but I want to talk about it again because I think it's going to flow into what we're talking about today, what our discussion is about. How many times have you guys been out looking for a geocache that the description says it's a regular and you're out looking in your bushwhacking and you're looking for it and you don't find it and you don't find it and you don't find it and you look in the logs and somebody said, well, it was a pill bottle. Okay, that's not a regular. And oftentimes I'm out looking for something and I believe you. I, I believe you based on the size you tell me it is and the difficulty. Maybe I, I take that with a grain of salt, but I do try to trust the size. Uh, a pill bottle is not a regular size. So I'm going to go through this real quick. I even wrote it down. Well, I printed it uh, for those watching. You saw that. A micro, and this is where people, I think, get kind of hung up. A micro and a nano, it's the same thing. So you got one of those little bitty pencil eraser type sizes? That's a micro. And yes, it's a nano, but it's a micro. A lot of times I see those, not those, but the um, bison tubes and sometimes small pill bottles labeled as a small. So I'm going to tell you what a small is. At the very minimum... Think about the TSA rule. You're allowed to bring 3.4 ounces of anything liquid on an airplane with you to go through TSA. That's what a small is at the minimum, 3.4 ounces. Now, one of the difficulties is we're the minority in the world who still uses ounces where the rest of the world is using milliliters, liters, etc. So, 
the even the ground speak rules are in metric systems. So 100 milliliters, which is 3.4 ounces. But that's at a minimum, guys, up to a liter. Now, if I'm talking to guys mostly here and your wife has shampoo in the shower that has a pump on it, that's a liter. So a small goes everywhere from that 3.5 or 3.4 ounce to that liter of shampoo. I like to think of a small usually as the size of a Tupperware sandwich holder, kind of on average. It needs to be, you know, bigger than most people think. A regular ammo can, but all the way up to a five-gallon bucket. And I didn't know that until a minute ago. I assumed five gallons was a large, but nope. A regular is uh, anything over a liter, over that wife shampoo bottle, up to 20 liters and five gallons is only just under 19 liters. So up to five gallons. What's large? Well, I found a large that was a 1934 Ford and I found a large that was a 55 gallon uh, trash can. And I found a large that was a decoy air conditioning unit outside of a building. Those are larges. And then you have the last one, which is other, which just means no one knows what size it is. It doesn't really mean that. But anyway, okay, having said that, let's be careful when we're placing caches to set them to the right size. And now we're going to talk about maintenance. And maybe part of the maintenance is to go fix your size if you set it wrong. Okay, let's get let's get GSM times two in the podcast. There he is. Good morning. And good morning. How are you doing, Mike? I am doing fabulous. I've had a wonderful day. I got a cup of coffee. All's well. Life is good. Life is good. Well, that's fantastic. And you've been a bit, had, <clears throat> you had some good traveling going on. And uh, yeah, sounds like you had a great time. I'm having fun. I'm ready to see you out in the real world. Uh, <laughs> we've only seen each, well, I've only seen you once and you've never seen me. And then we missed uh, missed seeing each other at Geo Woodstock. I hope uh, I hope. Let's see, you had a graduation or a wedding? Was that? It was uh, a wedding. It's my yeah. dumb grandson. I hope he's not <coughs> listening. He changed his wedding date from Moga, which I didn't go to, and then he said, "Oh, wait a minute. Just kidding. Uh, it's uh, Geo <laughs> Woodstock. I'm going to get married on." <laughs> oh well, sorry, sorry to have missed you there. That, it was here. a good time. Well, I am going for all those listening. I say this every year, but I really mean it. Just got my cards proved. I'm going to going caching in Rome, Georgia this year. Uh, my cards, I've placed my order. If you guys haven't placed your order for cards, you sort of missed it and sort of didn't. Just go hurry and do it. You know, and if you wind up that you can't go, get those cards over to uh, Gear Guru so that he can distribute them for you because there are definitely people trying to collect us all of them all of those groups so all right well you're going to talk to us about maintenance and you know lots about maintenance <laughs> actually for those people that don't know who you are you know a lot about everything i remember i used to listen to gearheads and your name was mentioned oh 10 times an episode <laughs> you know, it's uh, I've been geocaching for a long time. It's been a great thing, a great activity for me. And uh, over the years, yeah, I've had different phases that I've gone through. But uh, 
it's uh it's good and yeah i do know a little bit about cast maintenance you know i've this isn't the greatest number, but I am approaching 28,000 fines. Uh, so I have seen a lot of different geocaches out there. Uh, I've set over 2,200 of them, which has given me a great opportunity to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, currently, uh, 680 of them are active. One of them is temporarily disabled and two of them need, I need to check on them and change the log. But, uh, that's pretty good cash maintenance, if you ask me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I think there's four phases, uh, and if I touch my head, remind me not to do that. Uh, <laughs> there's four phases in getting a doing cash maintenance. And the first, and that we'll talk about, one is the initial hide, uh, and then monitoring your logs and uh, and looking for you know signs that something needs maintenance. Uh, and then, then actually doing the maintenance, you know, whether you do it as a cash run twice a year or, you know, like me, I go about once every one or two months uh, when things are piling up. Um, and then a lot of times people don't think about it, but you just touched on it. And that's maintaining the cash page. You know, if your container has gone from a large down to and you've replaced it with something smaller, make sure you make those changes on the cash page. Absolutely. So, so let's uh, so let's get started and, uh, and let's, let's talk do about let's initial, talk about uh, it. initial hides. <clears throat> so I think the most important part of cache maintenance is the initial hide. It's finding an appropriate container, putting it in an appropriate place, um, in an appropriate manner. And if you do those three things, you're going to ease. You're going to cut down the amount of cache maintenance that you need. Um, What's the appropriate container? Appropriate container in California is going to be a lot different than appropriate container in uh, Missouri or the Pacific Northwest. I think the best thing that you can do is go out there and look for those caches that are three to five years old. Uh, if you can find caches containers that are three to five years old and the logs are good and the containers are good, use those containers. Those are good containers for your area. Um, appropriate <clears throat> how to place them appropriately you know if you're going to put one in a planter don't put it next to the sprinkler that's going to run you know twice a day or twice twice a week <clears throat> and then excuse me i've got a frog and you're going to hear that a few times here. it's totally okay okay <laughs> um if you want to hide a difficult hide and you know, God bless you that you do. You know, there are people who they they really enjoy looking for something and finding it. And when they find it, they get that huge shot of adrenaline. But don't do that in a neighborhood. Don't do that in a park. Don't do that where you are going to have your people searching for it, spending 20 minutes drawing attention to it. Because if you do, People don't, people are going to get curious. What is that guy doing? And they're going to, you know, they might approach you, which would be great. But on the other hand, they might just watch. And then when you leave, they're going to go back, see what it is. And there's a good chance that they'll just remove it because people don't like people being suspicious in their back, you know, in, in their mm -hmm. neighborhoods. Hey, um, Scott, talk yeah. to us about what a bad container would be. 
uh, bag container is, and, and it varies, you know, pill containers can be very good in some areas and very bad in others. Um, Altoid tents can be very good in dry climates, in shade, and they can be very bad next to the ocean. I can't imagine how they would survive in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, mm -hmm. They can be very, very bad containers. So, I, you know, yeah, ammo cans, they're always a good container pretty much any place you put them. It will keep your ammunition dry. It'll probably keep your log dry, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So when I first started cashing and placing my first tides, they were all pill bottles. And what I can tell you about where I live with pill bottles is they, the logs are always wet after the first rain, they're just always wet. So for me, I've had to replace all my pill bottles with better containers. And for me, a good container is one that's waterproof. Yeah. yeah. Waterproof. And you know, pill bottles actually are waterproof. One of the bad, one of the things that people do is when they replace them, they won't be cautious. They won't put the tops above the base. And if mm -hmm. you don't put the, if you put the bait, the top below the base, water's going to get on it. It's going to get into those threads and capicular action, going back to junior high school, that, that action, which takes water up trees to the highest points in the trees, that capicular action will pull water up into the, uh, into your container. So, uh, you know, for, as a community, that's the one thing I would really, would really help all the cash owners is make sure whatever the container is that the top is above the base. Okay. Great. Great advice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, well, and then let's talk about the community. <laughs> let's talk. I, I have uh, 600 right now, 680 active geocaches out there. And I am very dependent on the community to help me with maintenance. Don't do the physical maintenance. Don't replace things. What I'm depending on people doing is logging that there is a problem with it logging their DNFs. If they did a thorough search, log that you log the DNF. And then you could be really, really helpful by logging by telling me what you did. You know, I spent 20 minutes looking through the tree. I could not find it. And when I see that, I know, ooh, well, that wasn't in a tree. So that's thank you for letting me know that you didn't look where it was. But you know, be very, be specific. Do a little more than could not find. Give give the cash owner some some information. Log the DNFs. Uh, can't stretch us. Can't can't stretch. Can't stress that enough. Uh, if if you've done a thorough search. Now, if you didn't, you know, if you walked up there and there's somebody sitting on the bench and you don't want to make contact and reach underneath, you know. To <laughs> just you know, do a log, but do it as a note. Just say, got there, there was somebody sitting on the bench. I moved on, and that mm -hmm. that doesn't uh, give it the it doesn't lower the maintenance the uh, health score of the geocache, and it lets people it lets me know. Okay, you looked for it, or you know it was there, and you let other people know. Hey, this is a place that has a lot of people, uh, and. If you show up, uh, there might be somebody there. Okay. So, so 
that's uh, that's just so so important. That's the best thing that people can do. You say um, you don't want people to replace the cash, but how about the log, the paper? <clears throat> okay, yeah, good. You know, I was on another podcast and we had this discussion. There were three hosts, and we had a discussion mm -hmm. about what is the worthiness of community maintenance. How can the community help with maintenance? And the consensus, and I really liked the consensus, was the community can help with the log or the insides. They can replace, you know, they can take out that food that somebody left. <laughs> they can, uh, you know, take out the little things that have rusted in there. Um, and if a log is bad or a log is full, yeah, at, if you can add another log, that's fabulous. Okay. That's the best. If the log is full, if you replace it, uh, and then contact the owner and say, do you want this log or do you not want this log? Mm -hmm. uh, that's really, really helpful as far as with, with the one exception. And the one exception is if you look back at the logs and every other one is log was wet, replaced it, log was wet, replaced it, log was re replaced it. Maybe it's time to stop replacing that log and let the owner get out there and take care of it because the container's not good or the placement's not good. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's that would be my advice. You know, help with the inside, leave the outside for the uh, for the cash owner. That's great advice. Yeah, because I know that often I have a few close friends that we've given each other permission to replace the containers if it's not a special hide. But for the most part, when other people do it, I t end up with two containers more than not. Yeah, throwdowns are definitely a no-no out here. Uh, throwdowns without th throwdowns are a no-no. Replacements with specific, you know, with explicit permission by the cash owner, that's okay. Um, but again, you're associating with uh, active and responsible geocachers. Um, one thing that I've done, you know, I've always prepared, I always prepare the night before, before I go on a cash run. And if I see a lot of DNFs, I will be inclined to contact the owner and say, I'm going to go look for this. Would you like to be able to place it? But first I look at what the owner's history is. And if the owner hasn't been active in three to four years or longer, I'm not going to contact them. <laughs> no, I, I want to go ahead, you know, the game board is best when the game pieces are in the hands of active and responsible geocachers. So if he's an inactive geocacher, we should probably go ahead. And uh, if it's not there, go ahead and use the tools that geocaching.com has, uh, has provided to us. And that's to be able to log, you know, and I really like the term uh, needs, needs owner, uh, needs, needs owner attention mm -hmm. or needs maintenance, uh, depending on how you log your caches. Um, it's really great because that sends out a separate email to the cache owner to let him know that you, you've reported that there's something wrong with this. Yeah, and it also starts a, a, a trail for the reviewer to pop in at some point and go, hey, are you going to take care of this or do I need to archive it? Right. I briefly mentioned the um, 
the health score and each geocache has its health score don't know what all the f components of it are but dnfs are definitely and as as that health score goes down as more dnfs are reported eventually it will c pop up an email to you saying this looks like it might need some maintenance and also comes to the reviewer's attention to let them know go ahead look at this contact the owner do some re reference to it so yeah, mm -hmm. very important. And uh, yeah, and and then it's time to go, you know, how, how do you know what, well, the other thing that it does, it also sets out there and puts a, uh, it's, uh, what's the attribute? Needs maintenance attribute? Right, needs maintenance. A, yeah, needs mm -hmm. maintenance attribute. So it, it sets a needs maintenance attribute on there. And you can actually, scan through and look at your geocaches and see which ones have a need maintenance mm -hmm. or a couple of years ago uh, gchq came out with the cache owner dashboard and what a great tool that is because in one click you can see how many of them are uh, disabled how many of them have the needs maintenance uh, needs maintenance attribute and even look at some of the older logs uh, the recent logs and uh yeah, it really helps. It really helps me plan uh, when I'm going to do go out and what I'm going and how I'm going to go out. Mm -hmm. I I'll, I have something I do. I don't know if you do this or not, but every time I get one of those emails that either has a DNF or needs maintenance, either one, I always save those to a list that I call repairs. Mm -hmm. And if you get two logs on different occasions for the same cache, it doesn't add it back in there. So I can always feel comfortable adding those into my, into my repairs log. And then like you, when you say you go out every so often, I'll just start that uh, list on a route and just run from one to the other. If I can, sometimes mm -hmm. they're so far away. I cannot, but I do what I can that way. Yep, that's uh, and yeah, may, you know, you're gonna make a list of caches to find, make a list of caches to maintain. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it really, uh, it really helps the game. Um, and then you also mentioned, uh, you know, distances. <laughs> I am slowly reducing my uh, distance radius from my home. I've used to set them out all over the place you know you don't set as many caches as i did by just going around your neighborhood mm -hmm. but as things disappear i'm definitely just archiving them and and reducing that radius so i can make a reasonable run when i do my maintenance run um let's see where else we are <clears throat> And then, yeah, monitoring your emails. That's really important. Uh, and, and don't just monitor the DNFs. Mon read read every, D every cache, that, cache that comes in because a lot of times people will say, you know, found it, but the lid is cracked. And they don't do a, they don't do a mean, these maintenance uh, report on that. They just mention it in the logs. And then I will go ahead, like you, I have a system in which I, keep track of what needs maintenance and what uh and what needs when what is disabled mm -hmm. and uh and that's extremely helpful <laughs> um and then yeah if you need to ch if you got a, 
if you have two, I just use two, I actually use one, but I think for most people it works too. If you have two straight DNFs uh, from different people who are experienced, <laughs> right? then then it, then just go ahead and disable it. You know, disable it, get it off of there, uh, let people, so people aren't looking for it until mm -hmm. you can get out there and, and give it a check. You, that's an important point because sometimes you get a DNF and they've only found three caches. Not all DNFs are created equal. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, if I see you get a DNF on one of my caches, <clears throat> I figure it's gone. Yeah, I better, I better go check on it. Go check on it. Uh, yeah, it's it's worth checking on. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think for most people, it really works out well to do a spring run and a and a fall run. Mm -hmm. After the winter's over and in places where it's snow, go check, see how your container's doing, see how the area's doing. So that's a good one. And then in the fall, just before the weather changes, and maybe after the bugs have been frozen one time, <laughs> go out <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> go out and check them again and make sure they're prepared and ready to go Uh make it through the winter you know those ones that were hanging in the tree where we're friendly, winter friendly but it's sent falling down um and get them off the ground back up in the tree so they'll be winter friendly again absolutely i love a dead bug you probably know that but uh what's a dead bug <laughs> it's a bug that has been through the first freeze and i don't have to worry about it anymore gotcha yeah um, yeah yeah we live in different climates my friend and, and and you have to deal with a lot more bugs than i do they're 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 relentless that's all i know what to say um uh, you've got a couple things that have really stuck out to me one is uh don't make a cache so hard to find when it's in a very public or a very populated area you know what i mean well i don't know well-traveled area and I was thinking back when I first started hiding geocaches, I because I saw other people do it, I would take a pill bottle and I would wrap it in camouflage tape, spray paint the white bottle, the white cap green, and I would hang it in the middle of a prickly holly bush, making it as hard to find as possible, thinking that's what the game was. And I've had a big aha about that. And it's not just in parks. It's that, th for me, those are not good. Well, when I say they're not good hides, I mean anything in the middle of a holly bush on the side of a country road. This is not special. It's not Stonehenge, right? So I, I, I bought some tape, and I've got penguin tape, and I've got some other tape, and it's bright blue with yellow penguins on it. Because I realize now that there's kids looking for these caches and people like me that I just want to find the cache when it's that type of cache. So I have made those types of my caches much easier to find and less like a, I don't know, less like a puzzle you have to physically solve. And the other thing I wanted to ask you a question about is because I see this happen. Every so often in our area, and I'm sure everyone's area, there will be a new geocacher who's on fire with it. And they're going out finding everything, but they decide the first month they're going to hide a lot of geocaches. We have one locally 
that in his first month or two created this massive geo trail. I mean, massive across two states and hundreds and hundreds of caches. And they were basically pill bottles thrown down at the base of signs on a highway, which many of them went missing. But anyway, my point is, is that within, he hit them in winter and by spring, probably 60% of them needed maintenance and he couldn't keep up with it. So I guess the question is, when someone's brand new, do you have a thought about not how long they should wait to hide one, but like how long they should wait to not creating more work, not creating more maintenance time than they have for caching time. Maybe, I don't know. So I'm going to tie those two. I'm going to tie those. I'm going to tie those two thoughts together under hide what you like to find. If you like to find difficult caches hidden in holly bushes, then go hide them. <laughs> Here in Ojai, we had a come to Jesus moment when we were all sitting together at a pretty big event complaining about ivy hides and veggie hides. Mm -hmm. And somebody, and it might have even been me, said, wait a second, who's hiding these? We are. If we don't like veggie hides and and uh, ivy hides, don't hide them. <laughs> and that essentially was the end of veggie hides and ivy hides around the Ojai Valley. Um, and getting to the new person. So the new person, same thing. Go find a bunch of caches and find what you like, what you like to find, and then hide those. And I think uh, if you do that, um, you're gonna you're gonna be a good, respected new person. Uh, and they're out there, you know. There are out there people, you know, just was reading a little Facebook thing with a woman who is found 89 but is hidden 46. And she's and she's hiding them good, and she's hiding good, good stuff. So uh, yeah, and, I love yeah. that. I, that reminds me of someone in our area, Joe Mo Ray B. I I don't know. It's four sets of initials, but uh, she kind of came onto the scene and hit a lot of interesting containers and well done places, and she's been an inspiration and changed my life because it's hard to find caches near my home. So mm -hmm. uh, we're currently getting streaks. By the way, you and I both have to get a cash today. I, I already did, and <sighs> I and I and I did get the souvenir. And then tomorrow I'm attending an event, and then uh, Tuesday I'm going to have to make a decision. <laughs> you told me early on that, and of course people are hearing this after this is over. But right. we're we're recording this during the. Uh, 28 day streak up to 28, two days, seven days and 28. And you had originally said you were going to get seven. Then you were not going to go on. Well, I, I, that's probably my inclination. If I was a betting man, the odds are, you know, four to one that I'm going to stop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to try to keep going. I went, when I went on that trip to Germany, one of the people on the tour with us, was was the guy that had the most souvenirs in the world mm. and it's very addictive i'm so competitive now i know i can never catch him and yet i want to 
be like that, you know? So, <sighs> yeah, they, they put out the souvenirs to encourage us to go geocaching. I'm going to go chase the souvenir. Yeah, it's working. It's working for me. <clears throat> um, so we're really out of time, but I want to come back to something because there's a problem that I don't think a lot of people know. And you brought this up before we started recording the podcast. There's a big problem with geocaching and maintenance, isn't there? Yeah, there really is. Uh, Geocaching.com uh, recently had 100 geocachers go find the 20 geocaches nearest their home and report was it there and what condition was it in. Um, that doesn't sound like a big number. Those, those numbers uh, give over 99% uh, accuracy statistically. 20% of geocaches need maintenance are either missing or are in bad condition and of three million geocaches that's a that's a lot of geocaches out there that need some maintenance Six hundred thousand caches that need maintenance are replaced yeah oh my gosh that is yeah. a lot isn't it that really is and so uh you know log your dnfs uh if if there's a string of dnfs Go ahead and log uh, needs reviewer attention or needs archive. Start that process. Let's get these let's get these geocaches in the hands of active and responsible geocachers. That I love would be that. my my total message. That's great advice and a great message. GSM times two. I enjoyed having you back on the podcast. We'll have you back again. We'll have you talk about something sexier. I don't know what that'll be, but. We'll have you come back and talk about something. I just did presentations at uh, Geo Woodstock and caching the caching the bait. So two megas on leveling up your adventure labs. Oh, good. We'll that talk is about sexy, it another time. Sexy topic, and I have a credit I I need to use. And uh, okay. Well, we'll talk then. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody. Don't forget, when when you quit listening, well, I bet you're geocaching right now as you're listening. But if you're not, go get in your car. It's never too late or too early to go find a geocache. See you guys next time. You've been listening to the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast. Please subscribe, rate us five stars in your reviews, and tell your friends about the podcast. Now, be good lads and lassies and go and find a geocache.